Hey, my name's Jamie Poisson, and I'm the host of Frontburner. It's the CBC's daily news podcast. And every day we're discussing the big events and fault lines shaping Canada and the world. Politics, economics, social movements, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about really fun stuff like the enduring relevance of Lord of the Rings. You can hear Frontburner on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. Colder weather is coming, and with it, seasonal flu. In ordinary times, doctors and flu watchers would be encouraging everyone to get a flu shot. But nothing is ordinary these days. This year, we're dealing with COVID-19, and rates are rising across much of Canada. That is setting the stage for what's been called a twindemic of COVID-19 and the flu. Seasonal flu shots are not consistently effective, but that hasn't stopped public health officials and politicians from telling Canadians that a flu shot is more important than ever, which is making for lineups at pharmacies and doctor's offices. The flu and COVID are different diseases caused by different viruses. So on the surface, getting a flu shot should not offer up any protection against the coronavirus. So today on The Dose, we're asking, what does the flu and the flu vaccine have to do with COVID-19? My guest is Dr. Danuta Skoransky, an infectious diseases expert specializing in influenza and emerging respiratory pathogens at the BC Centre for Disease Control. She's a clinical professor at UBC's School of Population and Public Health, and in my mind, she's one of the world's top flu experts. Dr. Skoransky, welcome to The Dose. Hi, thank you. So let's start with the basic question. How important is it to get this year's flu shot? I think for uh, individuals at high risk of serious complications from influenza, it is very important, in particular this season, that they receive the influenza vaccine. And I would include amongst those I consider particularly critical to get the vaccine also the close contacts of those at high risk of serious complications, including, for instance, their household members, members of their bubble, if you like, uh, as well as uh, obviously healthcare workers. So why do you think it's more important this year uh, to get that flu shot, if, if, particularly if you're in, in somebody who's vulnerable to, to having the more severe impact of having the flu? Well, I don't need to tell anybody that we're in the midst of a pandemic due to a coronavirus. And you referenced a twindemic in the opening we're not dealing with a pandemic of influenza on top of a pandemic of coronavirus, uh, thankfully, but we do expect there to be, as there is every year, an attempt by seasonal influenza viruses to trigger another winter seasonal epidemic. And having dual circulation of influenza viruses, because there's typically more than one influenza virus that circulates and the pandemic, can wreak havoc on our healthcare system. And the goal, in fact, of our control measures for both influenza and for this COVID-19 pandemic is to reduce the risk of serious outcomes of either or both infections and to alleviate the pressure on our hospital beds, uh, healthcare system in generally, so that in general, so that those who really need the care can access it readily. So the dual goal of mitigating the impact of 
these viruses on our most vulnerable, those at high risk of serious complications, means that we can align our prevention measures and receiving the influenza vaccine for those at high risk can prevent at least one of those uh, due to influenza viruses. What you've just been talking about, a twindemic, is not a theoretical concern when it comes to the flu. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a couple of years ago, we had two major strains of influenza kind of infecting Canadians at more or less the same time. Didn't that happen or is that my imagination? Each year, uh, it's not just a single influenza virus that circulates, it's multiple subtypes of influenza virus. So people may be aware there's at least two major kinds, influenza A and influenza B, and within influenza A, there are two different subtypes that circulate. Um, Within influenza B, there's also two different lineages that circulate, and within that, multiple variants. So in fact, our vaccine for influenza is not targeting just a single influenza virus. It's multivalent. In other words, it's targeting uh, three or four different kinds of influenza viruses, recognizing that those viruses each may make an appearance either at a separate time or overlapping epidemics during a typical winter period. So yeah, we we don't just see twindemics. In fact, last year we saw a, a triple of influenza viruses with circulation of the H3N2, H1N1 kind of influenza A, plus the influenza B virus. Certainly public health specialists, uh, you know, Dr. Anthony Fauci and many, many others have, have been warning about the risks of a twindemic. Have we encountered any patients out there who have been infected both with influenza and, and COVID-19? Thus far, no. That would be a a low risk right now, however, because this isn't the typical period when we would see influenza viruses circulating. The COVID-19 pandemic is itself showing atypical uh, pattern with activity through the summer months, and that often happens with a pandemic until the virus establishes a preferred seasonality. But this is not the preferred time for influenza viruses to circulate. When we may see co-circulation is sometime between November and April, which is the preferred time for influenza viruses to circulate in the Northern Hemisphere, then we may pick up co-infections with the uh, COVID, uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Uh, Of course, uh, the Southern Hemisphere, which which, uh, flu watchers watch very carefully to see if, if, if their winter flu season gives some kind of a, of, of a prediction of what our flu season will be like. Uh, they've just passed through the winter uh, flu season in Australia. Um, did they see uh, any twindemics of, of COVID-19 and influenza? No, quite the opposite. In fact, they saw a bottoming out of influenza virus circulation, the lowest in years. And there's likely a number of factors that contributed to that chief amongst which is likely the physical distancing that was applied to control the uh, COVID-19 pandemic would most certainly also have provided other benefits in terms of minimizing the spread of influenza viruses and other respiratory viruses that circulate through the winter period. I want to stick with uh, the Southern Hemisphere for just a minute. Uh, every year, the flu shot is a bit different because it's based on what strains of flu scientists, including you predict, will be circulating. And I know that you look to Australia in the Southern Hemisphere where winter has just ended and so has their flu season to get a preview of how effective this year's flu vaccine will be. What can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, some seasons are more predictive than others based on findings from the Southern Hemisphere. A couple of years ago, uh, it was a pretty slam dunk in terms of what we might have expected, and it, it varies from season to season. Uh, this season, I can say, uh, observing what happened in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, obviously that bottoming out of influenza activity, where did it go? Uh, they, they searched, they couldn't find it, uh, and they were testing quite substantially, looking for it. But what we can say is with the very minimal influenza circulation, there was uh, less pressure on the virus to mutate, to diversify further. So in that context, uh, we're fortunate that the viruses, the vaccine strains that were chosen back in February 2020 for our upcoming Northern Hemisphere season, those viruses were not forced, did not mutate further through the Southern Hemisphere's influenza season. Uh, unfortunately, they had had, uh, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, they had so little influenza that they simply couldn't even monitor the effectiveness of the vaccine. You, you have to have cases and controls. In other words, those who test positive, those who test negative for influenza to measure the vaccine effectiveness, they had so few they couldn't even derive a vaccine effectiveness estimate this year. Wow. Let's clear up uh, something, a misconception that I think uh, a lot of people have. Does the flu shot offer any protection against COVID-19 so far as we know? No. And the rationale for that, just to make that clear for people who might harbor that misconception? Vaccines are designed to be specific for the target pathogen. So influenza vaccine is specific for uh, generating antibodies protective antibodies specific to influenza viruses. And that, that's just a fundamental premise of vaccines. They're highly specific for the target pathogen. If they were not, uh, we would have a universal vaccine, not just for all influenza viruses, but for all respiratory pathogens generally, and, and we don't. Uh, so we should not expect there to be protection or interactions between coronavirus uh, and influenza virus-induced immunity. And that goes both ways. We should not expect there to be protective effects, nor should we expect there to be negative effects of the influenza vaccine against coronaviruses. And that leads to another related misconception that's that's also worth clearing up, that somehow the general revving up, you know, the, the exposure to one infection or one vaccine revs up your immune system and makes you somehow immune to a whole host of other diseases. That's another misconception as well. That's right. No, that's just not how vaccines basically work. <laughs> Um, we've talked about why the flu shot is important uh, during the time of COVID-19. How has COVID and the way we're trying to control the coronavirus changed the way we get access to flu shots? For instance, your doctor's office. Yeah, well, there's going to have to be uh, a whole lot of modifications in the way that influenza vaccine is delivered this year. Basically, the same kinds of infection control and physical distancing, the, the sort of layers of protection that have been described in other settings will also have to apply in the administration of the influenza vaccine this season. Uh, so making sure there's spacing, making sure there's uh, masking, the timing of the delivery, if possible, in open, outdoor, well-ventilated at least spaces, those sorts of considerations this season. And especially the inability to congregate. 
You can't concentrate a whole bunch of people who uh, need the vaccine in a small space uh, during the time of COVID, can you? No, that's right. And, and this is what I'm saying. The physical distancing has to be in place. And on top of that, uh, masking when showing up, especially because we're going to be having our most vulnerable people, ideally, getting the vaccine uh, as a priority. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, attention is paid to those sorts of infection control measures. So given what you've said, how important is it that pharmacies have now been brought into the mix as, as places where people can get flu shots? Well, I think anything that makes it uh, more efficient, easier, uh, while still, again, maintaining important proper infection control measures to enable our high-risk individuals to access the influenza vaccine, uh, the better. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Paul Havershoud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives in big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I know it's early in in uh, the flu shot season and in the uh, influenza season itself, the typical season for influenza. But how concerned are you, given COVID-19, that enough people won't be able to get access to the vaccine in a reasonable period of time? Well, this is why I am in particular emphasizing that high-risk individuals uh, avail themselves of the vaccine as a priority uh, and again, high-risk individuals, I'm, I'm really talking about those at high risk of hospitalization and at high risk of uh, death. That's a message particularly for elderly adults. And for influenza in particular, uh, I'm referring to those over uh, 70 years of age. The vast majority of hospitalizations uh, and deaths, in fact, 70 to 90 percent of deaths due to influenza are, are in those uh, even 75 plus years of age. So that's the group that we particularly want to get vaccinated. That's important because they're also the ones most at risk for COVID-19. So to help us distinguish whether they are likely to have been infected with influenza versus co uh, SARS-CoV-2 and also to alleviate some of the pressure on hospital beds, ICU beds, etc. It's really important that those who face a double threat uh, with influenza and uh, potentially SARS-CoV-2 this year get vaccinated. Uh, others include um, those of any age with heart and lung conditions, in particular uh, immunocompromising conditions, uh, metabolic conditions such as diabetes, those individuals should get the vaccine and their household contacts, their close contacts, their social bubble, uh, and healthcare workers. I think others of us, we should enable our community members at high risk to get the vaccine first. When is the best time during the fall for us to get the flu shot to maximize its effectiveness? Well, we want to make sure it, it takes a couple of weeks to mount a, a, a good antibody response. And we also know that there may be some waning to, of immunity toward the end of the season, how clinically relevant that is 
varies depending upon how delayed the influenza season is, what the protection was to start with, uh, and so on. So we want to try to get vaccinated to enable there to be peak protection when we anticipate there to be peak influenza activity. Typically, influenza peaks sometime January, February. Uh, so we want to time it uh, so that we're at least a, a few weeks in advance of that. And the vaccine is available, uh, starting to be rolled out uh, now in most places. Uh, and our high-risk individuals, they should be getting it from now on <laughs> uh, as soon as they can. Just as we talked about myths and misinformation circulating around COVID-19, there are also myths surrounding the flu shot. So I wanted to clear one up right now. Can you get the flu from a flu shot? No, you, you cannot. And in fact, the, the product, the inactivated vaccine that is uh, available foremost in, in Canada includes inactivated viruses, which means these are not replicating viruses. And I I often use the analogy when people ask me this question, um, to my ears, it's similar to asking, um, can ground chicken lay an egg? Uh, No, Uh, ground chicken meat barely resembles the the chicken. Uh, It's killed. In the same way, the influenza virus is inactivated. It also cannot replicate. So it's just, it's not possible. Now, certainly, Uh, the vaccine will induce an immune response. That's the whole goal, develop antibodies. And as part of that, there may be some flu-like illness associated with that, especially for first-time recipients, certainly some soreness at the arm, uh, low-grade fever potentially. Uh, That's by virtue of the immune response. That's, That's not an indication of replicating virus or influenza virus infection in the vaccinated individual. Uh, I think I already know how you're going to answer this, but people uh, who listen to The Dose uh, have also been asking if getting the flu shot this year could have an impact on the effectiveness of a COVID-19 vaccine next year, uh, assuming one becomes available. No, for the the same underlying principles uh, that I outlined earlier about how vaccines work, we do not anticipate, we should not expect interactions between influenza vaccine and the uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. In in fact, there are some manufacturers who are looking at for efficiency combination vaccine, influenza vaccine with uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, anticipating this may become a a seasonal requirement for uh, SARS-CoV-2 also. And finally, I want to get back to a situation that you and I have already talked about a bit. That's the, the, the situation in Australia. Uh, their flu cases went down, as we've said, and some people believe it's because Australians heeded advice about COVID-19 and wore masks, washed hands, practiced physical distancing. But right now in Canada, <clears throat> we're seeing a sharp rise in COVID-19 cases. Doesn't that suggest that we're getting lax about these precautions in this country? Well, I think that we should be expecting a a kind of a series of undulations of peaks and troughs in SARS-CoV-2 activity as we variously enhance and relax our physical distancing measures. And 
in the same way that we can see benefits of the implementation of physical distancing against influenza and other respiratory viruses when we relax those, we will open the doors also for these other viruses also to begin to circulate again. So it really does come down to us how this uh, season will play out. If we comply with recommendations around physical distancing and masking, we may see multiple returns on that personal investment and in that community investment. Uh, Conversely, if we become uh, lax that way, well, um, the piper must be paid (laughs) and we, we will have to deal with the consequences of that. And and so perhaps uh, in this season more than than others, uh, the fate of Canadians when it comes to influenza and COVID nineteen for that matter is much more in our hands than 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 we might have believed. Absolutely, and ideally, our well washed hands. Well washed hands. Well put. Um, last question I wanted to ask you: Are you getting a flu shot? I will, but this season. But I will. You know, I have a fairly isolated existence, especially these past few months. I uh, uh, walk from home to the office, I work late, and I walk back home again. (laughs) It's a fairly dull existence, and I don't have, I don't see patients. I don't have high-risk contacts in my life. So I I will likely wait to see and make sure that high-risk individuals get vaccinated first. There isn't a limit, unlimited uh, supply of vaccine. And for me, it's really important that high-risk individuals have the opportunity to avail themselves of that vaccine, that potentially life-saving vaccine first. But all going according to plan, I, I will get it this season. Well, Dr. Danunas Skaronsky, I want to thank you for continuing to watch the flu, for your scientific curiosity and, our be- and on our behalf, and thank you for answering our questions. Thank you, and have a great day. You too. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Danunas Skaronsky, an infectious diseases expert at the BC Centre for Disease Control. Here's your dose of smart advice. COVID-19 and the flu are caused by two different viruses. That means getting a flu shot won't protect you from COVID-19, though it won't make you sicker from COVID. One reason for getting this year's flu shot is to help prevent those at risk from getting complications and even from dying. The other reason is to help reduce hospital admissions from the flu and keep more beds open for people with COVID-19. Experts say you should get this year's flu shot, especially if you're over 70 years of age and younger if you have underlying health conditions. People who live with those at risk should roll up their sleeves too. So should healthcare workers. Since it takes up to two weeks for the vaccine to take effect, the sooner you get it, the better. COVID-19 precautions mean that large indoor flu shot clinics are considered unsafe. That means flu shots may be harder than usual to arrange through your doctor or your pharmacist. Australia had one of its mildest flu seasons in years, and it may be due to wearing masks, washing hands, and physical distancing. If we do the same here in Canada, maybe we'll have a mild flu season too. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBCWhiteCoat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Nicole Ireland, Donna Dingwall, and me with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.